When someone in your community comes to faith in Christ, think about all the ways your church reaches out to show them support. In an Islamic country, things can look very different. How do you disciple someone when it's dangerous for them to even admit coming to faith in Christ? How do you disciple them when they can't come to a church or even safely gather with other believers? We'll hear about ways new believers are being encouraged up next on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Last week, our understanding of Africa grew as our guest brother Mark told us about Christians, especially in the country of Mauritania. If you missed that conversation, you can hear it at vomradio.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Brother Mark is a gospel worker active in North Africa and the Middle East. So he's back, and we can learn about other countries where he is serving the body of Christ. I asked Brother Mark about the nation of Sudan. You know, much has changed in the last 18 months in Sudan and even in the last few weeks in Sudan. Last year, the Islamist dictator Omar al-Bashir was overthrown. A transitional council was put in place, which is supposed to lead to free elections and the handing over of power to a civilian government. I asked Brother Mark what that has meant for Christians in Sudan. Bashir out of the picture, this is a great news for Christians in Sudan and the churches in Sudan, because he was a very dictating guy and against Christianity and, you know, always applying Sharia law. And it was really tough on Christian missionaries or churches in Sudan. I'm talking about north of Sudan, not south of Sudan, okay? The picture is not clear yet, uh, Brother Todd, still, because uh, still the country is not stable yet, uh, so the, the regime is not stable yet. They are discovering their way, but uh, even with this uh, instability with the regime, yet the news for Christians, it's, it's bitter news, okay, than the time of Bashir. But still, persecution is still there too. Maybe it's not directly from the government, but still uh, certain MBBs, um, especially who were in the Darfur area, it's not also easy for them because, because yes, Bashir is not in the picture, but the people were uh, behind Bashir still there too. Which is, this is very tough too, to have a community persecution, community persecution. Talk a little bit about, about what you mean by community persecution. What does that look like? It, it looks like when your family threw you out of their uh, house, which is this is the minimum they can do with you. And then when uh, you are between the community, you cannot share your, you can even uh, uh, appeal your identity. And then because if you appeal your identity, if they knew that, okay, you have been, okay, changing your beliefs from Islam to Christianity, they will not give you any kind of opportunity for work or to live or to rent, and you have no place to be. And there is a big, big possibility to lose your life. Um, and if you have a job, you lose your job. If you have a business, you lose your business. Uh, unfortunately, this is the reality, and not just in Sudan, and, and, and all over Arab world. And it's hard for uh, Western Christians to understand that 
uh, how how interlinked the parts of your life are. You know, you you count on those family connections or those uh, tribal connections, clan connections for your education and your job and a place to live. And all of those things can be cut off. Uh, how do Christians respond to that when, when they find that, okay, following Christ has cost me my family relationships. It's cost me my job. It's cost me my apartment. It's cost me the place where I lived. How do Christian converts respond? It depends on his journey. You know, when he become a Christian, it's a new baby. If he did go through just the subship maturity, then we have a lot because of their faith. They lost everything, but they're still following Christ with a good heart and with hope that one day they see miracles, not in their life inside, but in their circumstances. I talk about, I talk about the way they are living. But thank God, because the people we know, uh, Todd, and we are working with, not just in Sudan, all over Arab world, okay, we take them through a journey because we know persecution, this is one side. This comes as a result of a decision you have, you make or you made, but then we want you to grow, okay, at least you'll be able to pay the cost of that decision, your decision, or the blessing, to see the blessings of being Christian and start experience how God is loving your heart and your, and your, and your life. And uh, we have some cases, uh, they couldn't take it, and we have the majority. They could take it because of their discipleship journey. And this is very essential. And we focus on it very much. The moment he accepted Christ, this is the moment we start building him up in his character, in his mind, in his heart, in his biblical basics. And we, we, we put them through Tabashim schools. We just helping them to grow in Christ, grow in ministry, grow in community. This is the, the way we uh, prepare them for the future and the potential uh, persecution. It seems like the the expectation is there will be persecution. If, if you're a Muslim and you choose to follow Christ, you almost think, uh, I, and it's obvious, it's not 100% of the time, but it's almost a guarantee that you will face persecution. They will not discover that immediately. They will discover that uh, during their discipleship uh, the journey. Okay. Because they know nothing. Uh, they know nothing. But the, all what they know when they decide, yes, they will lose a lot. But what a lot looks like? The, the reality comes into view slowly. Yes, absolutely. Let me tell you the, how it, uh, the persecutions and the versions of persecution for Muslims. Because... In, in, any, in any country, we have work, which is work between the whole countries, okay, in Middle East and North Africa. Okay, yeah, we didn't have any work in Libya, but uh, recently we started working with, in Libya with uh, MBBs from Libya. But with all countries we are working with, which is the 22 countries in Middle East and North Africa, we have been discovered. They are facing the same kind of persecution. It is number one pressure, number one pressure, and mm -hmm. they are experienced, okay, not the outside pressure, it's inside pressure, and it's about their identity, because the majority of them, they spend like the first two years or three years or four years in their Christian journey inside their homes without telling anybody. They grow up secretly. They are not announced their face immediately. They grow up in their faith 
okay, and nobody knows about what's happening. But after a while, their families will start noticing something changing in their mind, their beliefs, their practices, their emotions, the way they talk about God, the way they talk about Christians, they talk about, you know, they start to practice, okay, they notice, sorry, they start to notice something, something wrong going on, something weird happening. And the first struggle they are facing is identity. Because in their homes, his name is Ahmad and Mahmoud. But between his MBB's group, which is the people who led him to Christ, his name butchers Peter, okay? <laughs> and he's Peter here and Muhammad there, okay? And, you know, he, who's he? Is he Peter? Is he Muhammad? Is, is she Fatima? Is she Maryam? The confusion. And this is one of the really, really, really tough struggles beginners suffering from the identity. Who am I? This is one, number one. Okay, the duplication of identity. And, and then one of the shocking, shocking persecution for them, okay, when they discovered they are not welcomed from the Christian world. They are not welcomed, okay, in the church. They are not welcomed, welcomed from the Christian community. Okay, we, we, they call them the original Christian, okay? They are right. not welcomed. Because there's a lot of doubt about them, a lot of suspicion about them, a lot of fear in the church, a lot of fear between Christian leaders. They are feeling persecution. The Christian leaders are feeling persecution because of accepting, okay, MBBs or Muslim background believers. Right. That's why they don't care about them. And that hurts them a lot. They feel nothing. They feel like not important. They feel lonely. They feel like, you know, we have no family, we have nobody. That's why we keep always, we keep always, okay, helping them to gather them in a small groups and give care and, uh, and kindness and love and because they need that a lot. They need it mm -hmm. because they left everything, they have no families, they have nobody around and it will be very tough for them to continue if they didn't get anybody to connect with. So I think that helps our listeners. If you think about that issue of identity and that issue of community, how to have a community around them, that helps us know how to pray uh, for brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in North Africa, who are coming out of that Islamic background. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Mark. He is a gospel worker active in North Africa and all over the Middle East. Uh, Brother Mark, one more country I want to get an update on, and that's Egypt. What, what is happening as it relates to the church in Egypt, both the traditional Coptic Orthodox Church as well as uh, the MBB Church that, that is growing in Egypt as well? Yeah, yeah, you, you said it uh, very correctly, rightly, and in very powerful, which is uh, the MBB Church is growing very much in Egypt. Also, the Coptic Church, or Orthodox Church in Egypt, also growing in a good way. Uh, I would say Egypt, uh, this is the heart of the work in the Muslim world and the heart of the work in the whole region. You know that in Egypt we have almost 18 million Christians, okay, lives in Egypt, uh, from 100 million, uh, the population, the total population. 
and also a Christian um, since uh, the new regime, the new president Sisi, okay, became the president. Uh, Christians they feel more uh, respected, they feel more accepted, they feel more uh, important, they feel more okay. The rights uh, bigger than before. Before a Christian would have no, it's very hard to build the church. It's very hard to even to uh, to do renovation in the church. It's 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 almost impossible. It's a different story now, a very different story. For the church, the relationship between the church and the government is very good now. But for the MBBs, okay, which is the Muslim who became Christians, they're still suffering a lot. And uh, the Cairo Book Fair, which is, that was in January, I believe, okay, we have like 50 plus people have been arrested from the, the, the book fair itself. Um, and they didn't stay a lot in, uh, under investigation, but they have been arrested. And some of them, went, they went through tough uh, persecution at that time. Uh, and we had to stop our meetings for like two, three weeks because they were, uh, they were getting data and information from each one of them. They were searching their phones and they were uh, tracking their, their numbers and all of that. And we stopped even communicating between each others because of the tracking uh, system. And I would say still from the secret police, uh, they, they are not really following them, uh, but they are. They will arrest them if they start making noisy. I mean with noisy, start building like a kind of conflict, kind of uh, active ministry. They will try to stop them. But also the main, the main persecutor, uh, per- persecutor, which is honestly is, is the family. We have many discipleship uh, uh, schools happening in Egypt for Muslims. We call it MBBs, discipleship schools, and also there some of them have been supported through Rome, America, your place. Uh, we're still doing that through online. We three times a week uh, we do that, gathering them online. Yeah, the majority of them, the suffering and the persecution received from their own families, their own brothers and sisters, father and mothers. And like one of them, they, when he became a Christian, and they know, they took off his clothes. They asked him, his brothers, they went to his house. He's a big businessman. He lives in a very high-class area in Cairo. And this is a real story, brother. Okay, and they, his brother, they put him in a room and include just him, not his wife, because his wife was a believer at that time. And his wife, she is the one who told her, she told her brothers about uh, his brother wow. about him. And then they they took off his clothes, just just left him with underwear, and they asked him. He had to choose between killing you, okay, killing you. At that time, his uh, his daughters, two daughters, they were Christians. They were uh, loving the Lord with him. And they asked him, they, they told him, okay, we will tell your daughters and you, or you sign, you sign in this uh, paper here, you have nothing. They took his uh, house, they took his business, he signed everything up to them. And he left his house with his underwear and with his two daughters. He is one of our discipleship groups who lives in Cairo. He has nothing. He has nothing. Literally has nothing. Now he has, uh, we, we succeed to get him an apartment. Not a nice one, but at least he has roof now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, living under and we provide some food um, to him too. And, and all of that was at the hands of his own brothers. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. His own brothers. 
And this is the most uh, category of uh, persecutors in Egypt, okay? I would say Arab world also, family. Because there's a lot of pressure governments can put on governments, but you cannot put it on families, okay? You can put it on families, yeah. What can you do with it? So did did he ever say in in the midst of that persecution and being told, okay, we can kill you or you can sign everything over to us, did he ever consider renouncing his faith in Christ and, and returning to Islam? No, because that wasn't the choice, too. Okay, to deny, to deny and repent and go with us now to the mosque and uh, go to Hajj and all of that, he refused. Did he say how, how he had the courage to do that or, or what his thought process was in that? I think the most things helped him to, to say that his relationship with Christ. The discipleship journey, and this is the most crucial things, the discipleship journey he has. This is, honestly, this is, this is the, like what you said before, how can we prepare them to, to, uh, for, for the persecution when it comes? Because he was growing rightly in Christ, because of his journey with Christ, okay, he has the courage to say no. Okay, I believe that uh, in, in, in that time, God gave them strength and courage in an amazing way, in an American uh-huh. way. I don't know. I believe personally uh-huh. in that moment, he was seeing Christ in front of him, smiling to him, telling him, don't be worried. I'm here yes. with you. Okay, this is what, because as a human being, it's very tough, man. Well, and, and you know, the Bible says, uh, don't worry about what you will say, because I will give you the words to say. And, and we trust uh, not only when we're standing before a judge or a policeman, but when we're standing before our own families, we trust that God will give us the words and the courage to respond. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely, yes. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Mark. He is a gospel worker in North Africa and the Middle East. Brother Mark, we always try to end up by equipping our listeners to pray. And we've talked about others in the North Africa and Middle East, our, our Christian brothers and sisters. How do we pray for them? Yeah, pray, pray, pray for, uh, I, I number one, pray for uh, just uh, for the church, the church to open uh, their, their, their doors, okay, to the MBB, to the Muslim background believers, uh, because, uh, because they have no community. They have no community, and the church should be the community, okay, for them. Pray for the church to be bold enough and courageous enough, okay, and uh, trust in the Lord enough to open the doors for the MBBs and to have them as a part, to be part of our body, as we call it, original Christian. Uh, I, I, number two, I, I pray for, okay, uh, more workers, because we have a shortage of workers. It's not easy work to do. We have a shortage of workers to help the MBBs, okay, to uh, to uh, to go through their struggle, the, the, the subship journey, in a, in a right way, in a mature way, in a Christian biblical biblical way. Uh, uh, and also, I pray for more uh, freedom inside the country. So when it comes to the legal system, which is one of the problems we have, and persecuting um, MBBs or Muslim background believers are facing when they marry, okay, in their marriage. Uh, you know, uh, I, and also I send this case to uh, your ministry, to Voice of the Martyr. We have a case like, you know, and a, and a Muslim girl 
became a Christian and she wants to marry an, uh, an, a Christian guy. He's a Christian background. But they cannot marry in Egypt because they have no paper. And if they married in a church, there's no paper, they cannot get, get kids. And if they got kids, they cannot get uh, a birth certificate. And then they cannot go anywhere together and pray for more freedom and pressure on the governments to, uh, to, to build that kind of environment, freedom environment, okay, to anybody to adopt his belief and he can change his, the legal work, I would say. This is one of the one of the struggles we have. We have in Egypt tens of thousands of uh, of uh, Christian who were Christian but became Muslims uh, under 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 persecution, under uh, threatening, under pressure, and now they went back to Christianity, but still the, in their ID in their ID still their name are their the religious is Muslims. They cannot they cannot do anything, and now they have. They put like they go to the court, and still the cases is not easy. Okay, they give like 27 people to to go back to their belief to to become in their ID Christian. Just 27 people every every year. Okay, we have thousands of waiting lists. They are wanting to be getting back their ID as a Christian. Okay, but still, this is this is I would say I pray for more workers to to share the good news and more workers to just to, to carry on, okay, and to care about uh, new believers from Muslim background. Amen. Brother Mark, thank you so much for your testimony and for sharing with us what's happening in that part of the world. I, I can hear the passion even coming through the phone line, your, your passion for the work. And thanks for helping us to pray, to pray knowledgeably for our brothers and sisters in that part of the world. It's been great to have you back again here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. And let me say this. Thank you for you, for the Voice of the Martyrs. You are doing a great, a great job. I testify that because of you and the support you give, hundreds and thousands of MBBs have now the opportunity to live, okay, and to share the, their faith and to have even their needs. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, it is it is our honor and our pleasure, and, and I'm so thankful that I get to be a small part of it, and uh, our listeners are a part of that as well as they pray, as they give to support the work. Um, so thank you for that, and like I say, it is just it's an honor for us to stand with brothers and sisters around the world who are courageously standing for Jesus Christ. Thank you, brother. This is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton. As always, if you are just now joining us, you'll want to go to vomradio.net and listen to this entire conversation with Brother Mark. You can also find VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. You will be encouraged. You'll be challenged to pray for our brothers and sisters who are coming to Christ in the Muslim world. And you'll be equipped to pray knowledgeably. You'll understand their needs. You'll understand the ways you can pray for them. That's one thing a listener in Canada appreciates. He feels like he's more prepared to pray. After listening to VOM Radio, he called us and left this encouraging voicemail. Thank you so much, Todd, for your program. My name is Scott. I live in Victoria, British Columbia. I'm retired and uh, 
while I'm working in the kitchen, my wife still works, uh, I often listen to your program. And I thank you for the depth of the quality of your questions, of the people you interview. There's an integrity and a depth which I find extremely encouraging, and it helps us. You always ask how we can pray, and it really touches me the depth and the accuracy with which our prayers can be prayed. Having heard your program, we now can pray much more effectively. So thank you so much for your program. It really does impact me and how I pray. Thank you, Scott, for your call. We love hearing how God is working through VOM Radio. If you've been hearing prayer requests here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio and praying for our brothers and sisters like Scott has, would you let us know that? When you visit vomradio.net and scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll find a place to leave feedback. You'll also find a phone number where you can call and leave a voicemail. Again, our website is vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to talk more about the changes that are happening in Sudan with the Voice of the Martyrs Africa Regional Director. As well, we're going to talk about rising persecution of our brothers and sisters in the nation of Ethiopia. And as always, we'll equip you to pray for our brothers and sisters in those nations. I hope that you'll be back with us right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.